Hi, and welcome to Showcast. In this episode, we discuss the intricacies of organic screens. Recorded a couple of months back, this episode is packed with useful insights on live show production. I'm speaking with video producer Travis Poe. Travis is an expert in making large-scale dreams come true. Today, Travis and I are going to be discussing his design process for Imagine. Imagine is a nightly spectacle at Dubai's glamorous United Arab Emirates Festival City Mall. Imagine utilizes six water screens and over 70 projectors to tell a dazzling, heartwarming story to a multinational audience. Join us as we talk about experimenting in college, creating a popular Instagram account, and working with one of the most temperamental screens in the industry. I'm Kat Kemsley, and you're listening to The Notch Showcast. Hi, Travis. Hello. So I've been following your Insta, and you post tons of really interesting experiments. Uh, Ah, thank you. And I noticed from the hashtags and what you've been tagging in it that you're really fluent in a lot of different hardware and software. Yes, definitely. I think a good understanding of hardware and software is how you really make um, interesting things happen. And I think a lot of the stuff I post hasn't really been a lot of actual work. From what I've been seeing with a lot of people, they post a lot of really great work of actual shows they've done. And it doesn't really get a lot of interest. But the second you kind of start waving your hands and doing something weird, we'll seem to kind of start taking an interest in it. And it's just interesting how people work. Yeah, I guess perhaps it's the it's more relatable seeing something that's not so polished. A lot of the stuff that we post is stuff that we made in an hour. It's kind of more of the idea of it. And I think sometimes just conveying an idea is sometimes more important than spending two weeks on, on trying to create something really polished in some cases. That's a good jumping off point for other ideas and experimentation and, and plants the seed of an idea of what could be possible if you had bigger budget or a client facing project. Definitely. And it's actually interesting because um, all of that stuff that we've been posting has been getting a plethora of um, requests for proposals this month. And it's been, it's been actually pretty rewarding because um, a lot of the people have been seeing it. They're like, wow, how can you do that in our space? And it's been actually kind of changing a lot of what the normal type of projects I do. So I guess the takeaway is experimenting with new ideas in your downtown does come with its own rewards later on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Travis, you founded your company for us in 2015. That's correct. Yeah, I'd like to find out a bit more about your journey up until 2015. Had you always wanted to be a designer and video producer? No, definitely not. Um, So I I actually um, started off in college. Um, I went for computer science and that was kind of my first degree. After that, I wanted to do graphic design as well. Uh, the dream was at the time, um, I wanted to be a flash developer and I wanted to create these really cool interactive websites. And, uh, the iPhone came out through that time and that kind of busted that dream, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, flash websites started going away, uh, because, um, they weren't really that, uh, they didn't really work that well on, on mobile phones. So, uh, I met someone by the name of Marty Brinkerhoff. He kind of took me in and had me work on a lot of his shows and I kind of fell in love with it. 
He's a very creative individual that really kind of goes after really crazy technology and uh, he's not fearful of, of doing so. And, and it kind of inspired me to really go after uh, more of a career in creating these live shows. And to be honest, um, I, I didn't really get started working on small shows. It was kind of, I immediately got put into working on these giant shows and exploring new technology with them. And it's been history ever since. Wow. And what was your first show that you worked on with Marty? That was kind of difficult because he had me working on like four shows at one time. Oh, so um, you in the deep end then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think he, uh, he saw me as like, you know, this, this guy out of college that, you know, is doing all this weird stuff in college and uh, he wanted me to apply it to all the shows he had going on. So I got through into learning really quick how to do all these crazy things. And it was pretty fun. And what was your gateway software? What piece of software got you on the path of creating the type of projects that you're now producing? It really started off more in After Effects and Maya. Those are kind of the two softwares that I just started off with, as most people probably did. Um, now it's kind of gone into more of the Cinema 4D world and uh, dabbling in Houdini and that kind of thing. And then from the interactive side, I mean, obviously Notch has been a big part of what we do. And yeah, I mean, Notch has been really powerful for a lot of the projects that we've done. And how did you get into learning After Effects? Was that through going on those shows with Marty or was it something you were already experimenting with while you were at uni? Um, it was definitely stuff I learned in college. Um, I had actually pursued uh, multiple patents while in college on different things. So I was uh, quite an inventor in, in college. And a lot of it was kind of using um, hardware and visuals to kind of create these really weird things. My experimentation really started in college. And I think that's why Marty found me so interesting. Didn't everyone's? <laughs> yeah, everyone has a little experimentation <laughs> period in college. Yeah, So that was definitely my college experience. <laughs> so yeah in a darkened room with about six computers and oh yeah of, a bunch yeah. of wires and a bunch of nerds and uh, we got <laughs> we got some cool stuff happening yeah definitely nice so i know you picked up notch about two years ago yes what kind of gap were you hoping to fill that's an interesting one um wasn't exactly sure um, as far as what gap it was going to fill. It was kind of a learning experience. I feel like um, a lot of the work that I had been doing at the time wasn't really iMag type work. It was more of how performers can interact with, with certain things. So at the time, we were using a lot of black tracks and wanted real-time particle generation and, and that kind of thing to happen as the performers moved around. So it was a matter of how we could integrate some real-time technology into our shows. And I can also see from your Instagram that you've been doing some really brilliant projects using the Xsense 3D. Are you a dance fanatic? <laughs> I am not. I cannot dance for anything. <laughs> um, but I definitely have some other people that really know how to dance. And I, I love... Um, you know, having performers uh, interact with with media, I think it's really powerful. I think it's also more of the future of of live shows. You know, the mocap suits give you such accurate data, and they're quite impressive. And I, I really hope that more people will start integrating into actual shows because you can make their avatar anything at that point and have your performer control them and do all kinds of real time visuals. 
I think that's what's quite nice about live shows as well is that you get that immediate reaction of someone being amazed by something. Yes. Um, which is really, that must be really fulfilling and really nice. It always is, yes. So today we're going to be talking about a colossal project which took place at the United Arab Emirates Festival City Mall in Dubai. Yes. The project features six water screens, which are one of my favourite canvases to look at, okay, good. as well as an original animated film, which was projection mapped onto the Intercontinental Hotel in Dubai. So tell me, what was the occasion for this spectacle? So they were having a Diwali festival in, in Dubai at, at this Festival City Mall. And they wanted us to come up with a brand new concept for this festival. And they sent us a bunch of um, kind of storyboards of how they wanted the story to go. They had kind of some looks of how the characters should look. And we had to create everything from scratch. So all the 3D models, all the animation, and really bring it to life. And it was definitely a challenge. I mean, working with water screens, it's not easy. <laughs> I know they like to go all out in Dubai. Is every show like this? Not quite. Um, not quite. I mean, Dubai, actually, they do, you know, like you said, they do a lot of really exciting shows. This venue... At the time that it was created, they held a world record for the, the largest water screen show in the world. I don't know if that's true anymore. I think China has now taken the lead, but you know, it's quite an impressive venue and it's, it's like 270 degrees of being able to view it. And because this is an audio show, it's up to us to paint a vivid picture of the event. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> so I've seen the, the photos and there's lots of elephants, which yes. I guess is because Hathi means elephant in Hindi. Is, was this a central theme to your design? Yes, absolutely. I mean, elephants were definitely a key. The main character was a baby elephant. He was so cute. He's really cute. I was watching it earlier. <laughs> Our 3D modeler did an amazing job of modeling this cute little elephant. And he got turned into a little toy and all kinds of stuff. And it was so exciting to see that because there's not very often that you get to work on a project where the characters you're creating get also turned into products as well. So that was that was pretty fun. And the, the show was ultimately about this little baby elephant and it's his birthday and uh, it's also kind of the Diwali festival at the same time and he gets separated away from his family because there's a hunter that comes along it kind of goes dark pretty quick oh <laughs> and uh, there's a fire that breaks out and he gets separated from his family and he's with this prince which is his best friend and he travels all throughout India looking for his his family. And um, finally, at the end, they find each other. It's a big moment. And they break out and dance. And it's all these colors and patterns and explosion of, of all kinds of particles everywhere. And it's um, it was really exciting. And, and they had um, giant fireworks at the end. It was just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a full narrative story, which it is. was kind of told via, via visuals and music. Is that it is, is. Right? yes. And the challenge was that um, in that area of the world, the demographic there was um, mostly English speaking. However, there are, I forgot the exact statistic, but it was like 10% are actually native, a huge percentage that were Filipino and then also Indian. So we had to design a show that wasn't really based off of audio. It was more based off of visual storytelling. So it was very important that our visuals were very clear so that 
they didn't have to know English there uh, to to be able to understand what was going on in the story. Wow. It was yeah. crazy place. It I've was never a big been. mix. My cousin lives there. But oh, yeah, crazy it's place. incredible. Yeah. I definitely would love to own something there someday. <laughs> How about uh, six water screens? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> they're very hard to work with. So, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So the, and the event had a really big turnout. It took place outdoors. And as we mentioned, it was in front of a large lake and that's where the six fountains were situated that were projected onto. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that they were already kind of preset to be projected onto. So these aren't normal fountains. They're there to be projected onto. That's correct. Um, so they have uh, a number of moving fountains and, you know, six water screens that are actually meant for projection. And then they have um, a lot of moving lights. They have lasers, they have fireworks, they have pyro. And in the backdrop, you've got the Intercontinental Hotel, which was beautifully yes. decorated with your projections. Yes. Um, and there was also a healthy amount of fireworks lighting up the skyline behind. Yes. Um, so did, did the fireworks affect your design at all? Or is that kind of, they're, they're set for that. They know that often when they do these light shows with projections, that there will be fireworks going on in the background. That was um, definitely thought about. And we, we tried to account for that. But anytime you have fireworks and projection, it's pretty difficult to compete with the amount of light the fireworks give off. So uh, we tried to make moments in the show where there wasn't content on the water screens. So when the fireworks went off, that it wouldn't affect anything on those screens. Because what I've seen, you know, you can really clearly kind of see strong moments, especially on the Intercontinental Hotel. Yes, yes. Of everything kind of, I guess that's the big final finale where everything's going off at once. Yes, um, definitely. And with water too, it's very difficult because... It depends on the weather. If you have a really windy day, it's very hard for the water screens to look good. No matter what you do, you can make the most clear content in the world. And just because the way that the water blows, it could really diminish your content very quickly. So it's kind of like one of these, uh, these things where you hope for the best on the show day that it actually, the wind and everything holds up well. So you don't uh, have any bad experiences with the show. So that's kind of the nature. It's got to be one of the most temperamental canvases, I, I guess, for projecting onto. Definitely is. And you have to adjust the content in such a way where you don't have a lot of backgrounds in a lot of your content too. So uh, anything against black will really pop and make it kind of a little bit more like a hologram. So it, it's it's like one of those shows, though, that it doesn't really quite show up as well as if you see it in real, because water screens are just kind of like that. It's kind of a weird surface to record on, on your camera. But when you're actually standing there looking at it, it looks quite vivid. So it's, yeah. it's pretty interesting. When I watched the event video, one of the things I noticed was the sheer number of people filming the show. <laughs> yes, um, definitely, yeah, definitely. Know, and that, that also, you know, looking down from an aerial view... It's a sea of lights. Does this impact the way in which you design a show? Um, it depends on the show. For this one, we didn't actually plan on that. It was going to be um, not just a one-time event, but it was going to be running for, for years to come. So the show, even if you go there now, um, you would still be able to see the show. Oh, cool. So it's, it's how often is it on? It's on every single night. Oh, wow. Okay, Every cool. single night the show <laughs> is that on. Many, that, 
Not, really? Not with the fireworks. Oh, that many? Not okay. with the fireworks. Um, <laughs> but all the other effects, um, all the lighting, all the lasers and the pyro. So all those effects are, are in operation every single day. Unless, That's amazing. Uh, unless uh, weather or something else is, is uh, going on. Yes. And what was it like working for such a large corporate client? Were they managing the production in-house? They were really incredible to work with. Uh, they had everything storyboarded for us. And the creative director, Christopher Clark, he was absolutely incredible to work with as well. He uh, had such a clear vision of what he wanted. And sitting with clients and creating content in real time, it really helps to paint a picture quickly for the client. And we've had to do that quite a few times. And it's a matter of uh, sitting there with them, opening up Notch, bringing some character models in, and start playing with it. And the clients are so excited on having the level of control of that and so quickly being able to see what the final product would look like. It really gives them the, the this amount of control that makes it so exciting for them to use and to help develop with you because they feel like they're part of the process and they're actually uh, controlling the changes, which, you know, it's it makes it really kind of empowering to the client. Where does that process fit in on your pipeline? Is it quite early in development or is it once you've got a, a few initial ideas down and then you sit with the client and make tweaks or add a bit of glow or, you know? We've used it in all parts of the process, to be honest. Everything from conception, animatic type things to all the way to final rendering. And even we've made a lot of previs. Yeah, it's definitely beneficial for shows like like this one where there's quite a few different elements and multiple screens. Definitely. And so many of the projects I've worked on have so many different elements. So it's it's always great to see what those elements look like together. And I'm going to test you now because this was a, a massive project and you couldn't have done it alone. So who was on your team? Big team. I hired a, a lot of people on this project. Uh, there was probably about 14 people that were working on it. Everything from character riggers to character animators uh, had probably like five or six character animators, uh, had a really great team of motion graphics artists. It was uh, a large team. As we've gathered, you're a multi-hyphenate um, <laughs> where you, you can just do about anything really. Um, but when you were on this project and especially managing 14 different animators and designers, what did your day-to-day -day look like? I was definitely handling multiple projects during that time as well. Uh, it was definitely a lot of, a lot of management and having a, a big team that was actually quite international working together was also kind of a, a nice experience too, because we had people working around the clock in that, in that six month period. And what was a particularly challenging element of, of the production? I know the water screens can be a ball ache. Uh, rendering was definitely something that was difficult. So the, the six water screens, that was a, a large canvas. If you put that all together, I mean, that's like almost a 12K canvas just for water screens. And then the Intercontinental was a giant video canvas too. I think there was like 60 plus projectors that projected onto that intercontinental uh, surface. So you can imagine how large the video canvas would be with 60 plus projectors. That part of it was definitely a challenge. We had started off using Octane as our rendering engine. However, we experienced that not everything on the water screens look as intended. So we had to re-render some things. So we started to move into Notch for a lot of that. And that really kind of saved the day. Hey. Yay. <laughs> and did you have people running tests on site from which you're getting 
feedback and then re-rendering out clips with adjustments or what was your workflow there? Definitely. Um, we had sent our initial take on the show, which was a really beautifully 3D rendered show and it looked awesome. Everybody was super excited about it when, when they saw it on, on, uh, you know, their computer monitors and, uh, the initial experiment on the water screens, it didn't go so hot. Um, it <laughs> didn't look as good as we expected. And it was kind of to be expected at the same time, because there's always, from my experience with water screens, what you expect to work always doesn't seem to work. So adjusting content for it has to happen so often. When you're working on like a projection map surface, you have to do that as well. But it's not nowhere near what a water screen is like. Because the water screen is organic and it's, you know, depending on wind and all kinds of uh, elements out of your control, it's not a stable canvas. So you have to adjust the content to be so clear to the point that even on bad days, you can still see what's going on. So that's really, that's really a challenge of this project. So when you've got situations like this, where something doesn't quite go to plan, you sound really cool headed about it. Um, how do you manage stress in high pressure environments when something hasn't necessarily gone to plan? Well, I'm sure you, you can gather from this call, but I, I try to work really hard at things and I really love what I do. And I really like the enjoyment that people get from the projects I work on. So even though there's a problem, I feel like there's always a solution to it. And I try and do my best to make it the best way I can, you know, and yes, Travis, and try and, and, <laughs> you know, be cool in the, in the situation. Even when people are, might be a little upset or whatever, you know, it's, it's best to be really positive and nice. And, you know, when you're positive and nice, it's kind of contagious, you know, so it's really just a matter. I've had some projects that have gone really wrong. And going through those experiences, I think, are really important experiences, especially when you push technology really hard. Uh, you kind of get your hands bloody once in a while, and that's not always uh, obviously a good thing. But it's really good to have bad experiences, too, because you really learn from them. You're kind of humbled by them, and you move forward, and you're a better designer from it. Because now you know what things don't work and how you can actually accomplish things that do. Yeah, thanks for that. I feel like I'll... I'll definitely take that forward. And do you feel like there's a growing demand for complex wow factor AV within commercial spaces such as shopping centres like the United Arab Emirates Festival City Hall? It's actually quite a mouthful that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, de definitely. Um, you know, I think a lot of at least malls that I've been to, the kind of interactive video art that they put in them is not the kind of stuff that we, we typically do. You know, they, they do like, you know, where kids are playing little soccer on the ground or something like that. I think in the future, there's going to be more of the crazier, like what Notch can do kind of interactivity in malls. So I've been kind of getting reached out to, um, recently for more of that kind of work. So I definitely think that there is going to be a future in, more interactive type environments in public places for people to kind of do interaction with. Yeah, I guess because it makes shopping's more of a holistic experience now, isn't it? With the in London we have Westfields. I know they're international, but you can experience anything under the sun. Um, Definitely, yes. So really interesting to see m more of the entertainment space, I guess, being a bit more experimental than than a cinema. Definitely, and shopping malls. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, I think there's a lot of venues that could really use this help. And, you know, in some ways, uh, a lot of malls 
been dying due to online shopping and, and that kind of thing. So I yeah, think. Yeah, that's a big part of it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think, that. um, people are really going to start, um, pushing a lot, um, how to make the shopping experience, uh, more fun for people and, and kind of more of an experience. So we're kind of coming close to the end of our interview now. Uh, it always goes really quickly once you get into the meat of things. But I'd like to ask, what advice would you give to someone hoping to get into live design? I would say that the best advice I could give is to really learn a plethora of programs. Don't get notched into, uh, no pun intended there, but don't, <laughs> don't, don't get stuck in just one thing. Really try to experiment, get outside your comfort zone and really explore technology. Uh, try to be on the cutting edge, try to make cool things that are unusual and uh, pushing the bounds is is really where everybody gets excited. And it's always something, even if you're going into an interview or something, if you show them something unusual or you bring something unusual to that, that interview, they will remember you for it. And that's always a key thing to do. So kind of go go wild and experiment a bit. Absolutely. And I, I never stop experimenting too. And I'm running a business and it's you know, it's great to kind of just keep up with technology and to understand it. And that way you can also manage your people a little bit better as well. How do you keep up to date with what's kind of coming out or what's new? Do you do you read publications or do you get a newsletter through? Or Well, to be honest, I'm, I'm somewhat new to Instagram. However, um, that's been a really great source to um, meet new people and to kind of keep up with technology. I look at what all the other companies are doing and you know, like the guys at all of it now, for example, and what they're doing with all their augmented reality, mixed reality type stuff. That's quite exciting. And, you know, there's just so many companies doing so many cool things. So it's a matter of just looking at all those things and really just learning about what they're using and how they're doing it and working together in future things. Um, so I have one final question for you. I know that you've, you've spoken really Fondly of a, a couple of your collaborators in the past on this project, such as um, Marty Brinkhouse and Christopher Clark. Um, but is there anyone else you'd like to give a shout out to? It could be someone who is essential to this project or to your career development or just your neighbor for taking that Amazon delivery for you the other day. Gosh, there are so many people that I've been very thankful of. I mean, Ash with D3. Uh, has really helped me over the years. And then Matt came along with Notch and that's been really powerful for my career as well. Nils Poorman, whenever I've worked with him on projects from when he's a video programmer, guy's incredible. Uh, and all the, the D3 programmers I've worked that kind of have helped out on projects because their experience is always extremely valuable. Well, thank you very much, Travis. And we've actually got a, a couple more minutes so that if there's anything that you feel like we haven't covered that you'd like to drop in now. We didn't really talk about Notch too much, um, but I don't oh, know if you want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, a lot of the Notch content that we've been creating has actually not been a lot of the interactive stuff. It's it's been a lot of content generation type things. And I think often people look at it as an iMag tool or some kind of interactive um, particle type thing, but it's actually a really powerful render engine too. You know, it's something that we've been able to use for multiple projects on just being able to render out things quickly. Being able to have a tool that you can kind of work with and make client changes rapidly is extremely powerful. I think that's, that's about a wrap, Travis. Okay, great. 
Thank you again. I've really enjoyed chatting with you and I'm really excited to see what you come up with next. Thank you so much, Kat. It was a real pleasure being on this call. All right. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can check out more from Travis by heading over to forest.com or by following them on Instagram at forest.inc. You can view photos and renders from Imagine on our website at notch.one forward slash showcase. Share your projects with us using the hashtag MadeWithNotch to feature on our Instagram feed at NotchVFX. Next week, I'm speaking with new media artist Kadi Debien de Moule. Her project Alter Ego reflects on the use of social medias and the rise of artificial intelligence by using both as a tool for creating generative art. Catch you there.